you know, when I went and I pre-ordered my uh, my in- copy of Injustice, uh, I've never pre-ordered the game before. You know, I've always been the you know buy the used game guy, <laughs> and I'm like, so you know, she, she I, I pay for the for the game, and and she's like, and she's kind of staring at me. I'm like, so what happens now? She goes, well, when the game comes out, you come and get it. Am I going to need this receipt? She goes, well, yeah, or it's in the system, but I should probably bring my receipt. Yes. Yes, old man, you should probably bring your receipt. Well, that's exactly what it was like. She, she's like, have you not pre-ordered with this before? This is the first game I've ever pre-ordered. And she had that look on her face like, oh, how quaint. The old man's ordering a game. <laughs> is it for your child? <laughs> is it for your little boy? Every time, my friend Phil, who uh, was on Three Beers and a Scotch with us, yeah. Um, I was helping him move one day, and, and Phil has got this gigantic action figure collection from the Star Trek movies and TV show. And of course, you know, like like most collectors, you know, they're all in the bot, all in the blister packs. You know, never been opened, never been touched. And so, one of the guys who's helping him move drops one of the boxes, and action figures go everywhere out there on the, the landing mm-hmm. of his uh, his stairs. And his next door neighbor, who happens to be quite hot, walks out and she goes, "Oh!" And she looks at my friend Phil. You've got a little boy, and you know Phil's about to say, "No, those are mine." And, and I look up. Yes, yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Phil. The first game I pre-ordered, Aaron, was uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance, oh. and it was only because I wanted Juggernaut. Yeah. It's like for a while there, that was the only. I was doing some pre-orders on games, and it was just because if you get pre-order from a certain place, you get certain unlock. And that was the only reason why I pre-ordered Injustice, you know, because otherwise I'd just go and pick it up because I want that Red Sun uh, bonus. DLC, pack. yeah. That's the only yeah. only thing that has ever really you know incentivized me to to, to go do that. Because why let them hold on to your money? Yeah, no, that's what I learned, actually, speaking of Ultimate Alliance. The first thing I pre-ordered uh, was also Ultimate Alliance, Wayne. And I, uh, it was through a game, oh, oh, what's that horrible, eBay, EB, Electronic, no. <laughs> no. What am I thinking EB of? Games? GameStop, it was at a GameStop. And, um, you know, so I put my money in, and it just happened to work out that I had the day off that it was supposed to come out. So, you know, I, you know, drop my son off at daycare, I go and, uh, uh, grab some breakfast. I'm like, great. I'm gonna go and pick this up at ten when they open, and I'm gonna spend all day just laying around playing Ultimate Alliance. It's gonna be great. So I get there, and they're like, oh, sorry, Our, you know the truck hasn't got here yet. Uh, we we don't have it. I'm like, okay. What's the point of me having pre-ordered this? I'll, I'll I'll call back in a couple hours. And so I left, and I walked by Target, good mall. So and of course Target has them right there, ready to be bought. Oh yeah. And I was like, son of a bitch. If I hadn't ordered <laughs> it, I could just buy this one here at Target. Yeah, that's bullshit because typically they get them like, the day before. Yeah, ahead of time. Or even a week, uh, week ahead. Yeah. So it turns out there was some sort of shipping delay in Phoenix, and they never came in that day at all. Yikes. Around 9 o'clock at night, I said, screw my $5. I'm going to write that off. I'm going to go ahead and buy uh, I'm just going to go ahead and buy one at Target. But by then, it was the end of the day, and I was sad because I had to work the next day. Well, I have already booked my day off to uh, play Injustice Gods Among Us. Well, what date is it supposed to drop? Uh, it drops the 16th, and I'm taking the Friday after off. 16th. That's of April. Yeah. I, said, I just can't imagine scheduling a day for a fighting game. Well, I want to be able to talk about it on the podcast. Well, and Wayne, I I I, get, I work four ten, so I get one day off a week regardless. So, 
Well, I mean, it makes sense for a game with like a lot of uh, story that you're going to get into, mm-hmm. but you kind of can get the uh, the experience of the fighting game in like five ten minutes. Yeah, yeah but, but then I won't be able to beat Aaron's ass for several hours. <laughs> that is true. That that would make a difference. Okay. That is a temptation to spend sixty bucks to a parent's ass. <laughs> easy, easy. <laughs> well, I'd like to point out that when I made my Pope joke this week, Ron Mars immediately posts. So, what's the expiration date on bad Pope jokes? <laughs> which 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 Pope joke? Um, I posted about you know I figured you know one of the I said something like you know I figured a blessing about the new Pope was that at least we wouldn't get a Nazi, you know, like the last sure. Pope and. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, because he was a member of, of Nazi Youth, um, <clears throat> that uh, you know, at least we'd get a non-Nazi this time around, and then we hire somebody from Argentina. Hello, lost Nazi gold. Um, <laughs> and, and I mean, like immediately, Ron Mars posts that, and I'm like, "Fuck you, Ron Mars." And then Daryl Gregory posts, you know, he was really hoping that one of the uh, African cardinals was going to win because he wanted to see Samuel L. Jackson in a Pope biopic. I needed the motherfucker. Yeah. yeah, and that's when I, I quoted as, uh, "I'm tired of all these motherfucking pederasts in this motherfucking church." Pope Sam, Samuel L. Jackson <laughs> and Daryl Gregory like immediately retweets it. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, you had to be in the Nazi youth at that point. <laughs> did he? You either had did he to, have you either, to be? Yeah, you either had to be hidden from. So, hey, yeah, or you'd get arrested. There were tons of the country. There were tons of Poles, uh, Gypsies, and Jews that were not members of the Nazi Youth. You didn't have to be a member of the Nazi Youth. I think you're being obstinately dense and understand <laughs> what you're saying. <laughs> I can actually try to engage you in a conversation when you're being like this. You know, my wife often has those same comments for me. <laughs> no, it's weird. It's almost like you're like, baby likes what she sees. <laughs> <laughs> Creepy. That's still funny. <laughs> well, she was so bad. She's like, I really like your shoes. I was expecting like, oh, Aaron, be like, oh, thanks. Yeah, you like comics? Want to see my action figures? But no, he's like, baby likes what she sees. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's a uh, March of Dimes time at the office, and that's our our uh, charity. charity that that the uh, company recognizes. And so you know, we do all these different things to raise money, and and one of the things that we do at the office is have a big rummage sale. And so people will start bringing in, you know, anything that they want to, you know, offer up, donate for the for the rummage sale. And so yesterday I'm over there uh, in front of our CEO's office, and there's this big rack of uh, steer horns, you know. And I said, are are, are these going in the sale? And uh, her secretary says, Yeah, yeah. And I said, I, I said seriously, has anyone bought these? And she goes, No. Do you want them? And I said, Yes, I will pay money for these right now. And so you know, I've got this big rack, you know. Longhorn steer horns. So I come home and my wife is just staring at me, kind of horrified. <laughs> what are you going to do with those? And I said, I'm going to hang them up. <laughs> Where are you going to hang them up? And so you know, I'm going to put them up on the on the back porch. And she she's just really just not happy about this at all. But then she says something that I thought was so interesting. She says, You know what? I'm not. This is not what we're going to fight about. And I was like, what are we going to fight about? <laughs> and she, she says, well, I don't know yet, but I don't want to waste my fight on this. <laughs> I smile. And I'm like, are there a finite number of fights? 
I was unaware of this. This is great news for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like an athlete. They're, you know, they're going to hold on to their energy for the big game and not go out and just you know waste it all in a pickup game out on the playground. They're going to hold it for the big show. I think what she's telling me is that there are a limited number of fights. There's like a 12-pack of fights. I think you're uh, surprisingly optimistic this morning. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, I'm not going to fight about this. this is not a positive affirmation. <laughs> yeah, and see, and that's the big difference. If you'd have walked in with that for any of us, we would have just looked up and said, hey, nice rack. That's <laughs> true. Can, can I touch your rack? You may. I think you'd probably be the only one who said that, Andrew. <laughs> and I'm the only one who read Wolverine and the X-Men. So let's see. Let's see. And none of us read Wolverine number one this week. Correct. Hey, I'm the best at what I do, and what I do is not read Wolverine books, Aaron. (laughs) (laughs) Thought I made that pretty clear when I joined this podcast. (laughs) So, Aaron, you did not pick up Sledgehammer 44? I did not pick up Sledgehammer 44, mainly because I haven't picked up Sledgehammers 1 through 43. (laughs) (laughs) But Aaron, I thought you wanted to be my sledgehammer. Well, I want to be your sledgehammer. Yes. Uh, so I had a dream last night. An, an hold actual. On, hold on. Slower. Uh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Before we do this, Paul, every time, every time Aaron has a dream, that's the beginning of the show. <laughs> yeah, well, let it's me. Not a, it's not a funny dream, really. Let, it's more let, of a. Let me put my pants back on. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Go ahead. Have a dick. <laughs> I was gonna say I had a dream last night that Dark Horse gave us their stuff in PDF for review. It was it was it was a happy dream. I dreamed about comics apparently. <laughs> okay, I'm taking them back off. That was your dream. Huh. That was my dream. Yeah, I literally like Aaron emailed me to say, Did you read Hellboy in Hell yet? It's on the Dark Horse FTP. See <laughs> I would have had the same dream except Olivia Munn come to read the comics with me. That would have been the dream I had. Yeah, apparently there's only room for Aaron in my dream. (laughs) It's creepy again. (laughs) When did it stop being creepy, with Aaron, Polly, Tim, Wayne, and Andrew. I'm Aaron. I'm Paul. This is Wayne. This is Tim in the backseat again. Uh, and this is Andrew and I guess, the back backseat? You're in the trunk, buddy. The very backseat. In the trunk. No, I like that. I'm in the but trunk. The rumble seat. <laughs> <laughs> no air holes in the trunk. <laughs> and, the tr- and it's one of those, you know, very, very uh, you know, early model cars. So there's not that emergency, you know, lever so that you can't be locked into your trunk. Not. Paul, Wayne keeps looking at me. Why? <laughs> oh. He's touching me, Dad. He's touching, touching me. Stop touching me. I will end this podcast right now. <laughs> and that All was right. the end of the show. Have a good week, everybody. <laughs> you should have that, and then the intro music can play. So, Andrew. <laughs> yes, Aaron. I, I was very excited that you posted your Atomic Robo game for Fear the Con slot 2 this week. Oh, man. I am so excited about about. 
Fear the Con this year coming up in May, and I'm not playing one but two zombie games that you're running. Woo! Woo! I cannot wait to I'm see Thistle Down. Excited to be in one zombie game that you're running. I can't wait to see Thistle Down die twice. Gingers <laughs> don't have a long shelf life in Aaron's zombie games. I'm just gonna let you know. No, they. Didn't. I think the last ginger we set up is the fall guy, so we could get into the shelter. <laughs> That's true. That's that's that guy. I'm I'm a little concerned, Aaron, about your your uh, your zombie game. Why? Continuity issues. What if someone dies in year one? It's that was so, it, it previously in multiple in further years. It's not a problem. <laughs> Alternate universe game. See, it's the ultimate universe of the zombies. Aaron game. It's like the Star Trek 2006 or whatever, or 2009. 2009, yeah. Yeah, it's not time travel. Alternate. Alternate oh, reality. <laughs> 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 Just as we're there again. Yeah, I didn't even so, bring it up this time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so you know, lots of games. Tim, you're running the game. Yep, I'm, run, I'm running my, my Dresden Files game, slot one. Very exciting, kicking it off in style with a little Dresden. Yeah, I'm a curtain jerker. Uh, uh. And uh, Wayne, I think you're running what four games? <laughs> I've got two games I'm running, and uh, I'm signing up for uh, a couple other games. I have uh, Who Wants to Be a Superhero. It is my own system that I'm currently writing based on Fate Core. Is it Stan Lee approved? <laughs> no, because he's crazy these days. <laughs> Although, about- next week when I go to uh, Wizard World St. Louis, maybe I'll get him to uh, to say something. You know, make it Stan Lee approved. Yeah, just get him to say it to a camera. Just say, yeah, I mean, hey, Stan, uh, what was that show that you used to host? And just hold your camera. And then you can put it on your website for it. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's, nobody else watched the show other than me, so no one will know that he's talking about a TV show. I want a short of him chasing you around the con saying, get off my lawn, kid. Oh, <laughs> yeah. With shaking a cane. I don't oh, think my that God. Stanley chases people anymore. Well, well, it's not he, like you know, a fast shake. It's a, yeah, exactly. It's more of like a little quick, quick stumble with his I think the video would be more his security chasing me around the hall than actually him. Stanley actually has security. Well, it being a Wizard World convention, he'll probably just sick Lou Ferrigno on you. <laughs> oh my god, that's even the best. We can play the Blues Brothers chase music? Yeah. Oh yes. Get him, Lou! Lou. Uh, <laughs> get him. I'm less worried about that than him sticking uh, David Jason Franks on me, or Jason David Frank, whatever. The, the uh, Green Power Ranger that actually does MMA these days. You know, Paul, you, you know, I know Wayne was jealous that Paul won, it, won a funny last year. Wayne, if you make this happen, we will give you a funny. Oh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, make I'm, it happen. I, I think the worst thing Stanley could do to Wayne is write a comic book about him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, true believers! Wow! <laughs> Face. Wow! Uh, <laughs> what? It's 2013. Come on, everyone accepts it. Wow! <laughs> Poor Stan. How Too soon, you? Paul. Yeah. <laughs> Body's still warm, but. <laughs> so paul yes sir i understand you're kickstarting again yeah I'm not, i am you back on it I uh, you yeah off the junk <laughs> i'm back on it well you know so someone i don't even oh you know it wasn't even someone it was the dude himself the dude the dude the cre- the writer of the project um like tweeted me and he's like hey you should support this project and i'm like who the hell are you you don't know me. Get this number. I'm the guy posted <laughs> yeah. this project. Good start. Yeah. So, um, but uh, like I looked it up, and it seems really interesting. And the the name of the comic book is uh, The Adventures of Arrow Girl. Not Arrow, like Green Arrow. Arrow, like A-E-R-O. 
and the guy's name is Dwayne Feastra. And um, it's about – I will read the description. A modern golden age story of a teen superhero dealing with the death of her hero father with the help of a superpowered gorilla. Okay. <laughs> well, you got Aaron. Damn. <laughs> It's Damn. almost like the it's almost like the marketing was directed completely towards Aaron. I mean, <laughs> Damn it! I, I hey, Aaron, was almost I, there. I was almost there when you said Dwayne, and I'm like, he's going to say Johnson, and I'm going to be in. He's like, oh, no. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, not only that, the buy-in for to get a PDF copy, but copy of the comic is only five bucks. Oh, Aaron! Aaron well, is logging in right now, aren't you, Aaron? I clearly need to need to get I, I into this hundred dollar level, though. So <laughs> I don't know if Aaron is is logging in, but I'm on the page right now, hovering over the back the backer button because this does yeah. sound interesting. I mean, the art looks really nice on it. Um, it's it's all ages. It's not like a it's not a dark and gritty story of a girl dealing with the death of her father and with the help of a superpowered gorilla it, it's more fun loving it just looks like a lot of it looks like a really cool book um hey, hey, and for Paul, five bucks yes sir will you, will you post the the link in the, in the in the notes for the episode so that people can take a look at it themselves absolutely and um it's only got as, as of this recording it's only got eight days left so at the time you're listening probably about five days left um, but it's only a three thousand dollar goal and they're at twenty two hundred so they'll make it. Oh, I can make up the balance of that. <laughs> <laughs> Superpowered gorilla, I can make up the balance of that. That's not a problem. Yeah, Eric yeah. is used to making things happen. <laughs> so, yeah, I, so I was excited about that. I'm, I'm actually – that is all I've kickstarted this week. Only $5. Just just dipping my toe in it. Well, I'm, I'm kickstarting the $10 amount because I want physical copy. Well, yeah, I hate to uh, give you something else to kickstart, Paul, but but Tim Rodriguez, speaking of Fear the Con, is uh, he just put up his Kickstarter for his his role playing game Hyper Reality that I know Tim's played in the last couple of years and has really enjoyed. So you might need to dig into that wallet again, bud. Yeah, you know, actually, um, I went at Fear the Con four. Was it uh, four? You played? Yes, it was your first first role playing experience at Fear the Con. You played in that game too. Yeah, yeah, I played. Uh, I played in that game, and it's a it is it's a ton of fun. Um, and I, so I, yes, I will absolutely be kickstarting that. And I think he's playing. He's well. I think it's probably full at this point. But he's doing another session this year, isn't he? After the conference. He is. Yeah. And unfortunately, conflict with something I already signed up for. But uh, yeah, he's running it again this year at Fear the Con as well. You know, um, this morning, speaking of Fear the Con, I know we're already off of that topic, but I'm hopping back on it. I uh, I got I started looking online, and I was looking at St. Louis style pizza again, and then I remembered how bad it was. <laughs> I don't even want to get into that discussion again. I have no desire to revisit this. <laughs> that audio is the worst part of that show from, from Fear of the Con 4 was that part of it. But no, but hyper reality, I want, I want to talk about I, that. I don't remember this conversation, but I agree yeah, with Paul. St. Louis style pizza does suck. <laughs> Thank you, Wayne. <laughs> yeah, stupid Andrew. <laughs> Andrew, you're almost as stupid as Marvel. Yeah, you know, Marvel Well, Marvel and Comixology together really seem to pull the boner. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. So Marvel broke Comixology this week, and I, yeah. I, 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 I can't fault – well, I can fault them. I, I fault them both because – listen, Paul, if you're going to say let's give away 700 free comics, how do you not expect it to break Comixology unless you make serious uh, changes to your infrastructure to, uh, to anticipate the amount of volume that's going to generate? Well, but I agree. It, it wasn't just that that Marvel screwed up on it, uh, it digitally last week. You know, prior to the announcement of their 700 free number one issues, um, they actually launched their uh, Marvel Unlimited app for iOS, 
And so, you know, ever since I bought my iPad, I've wanted the Marvel Unlimited uh, subscription the, service on the my vault. IPad. Yeah, the vault. the vault. Yeah. And you know, I've not I've not ever subscribed to it because I don't like reading uh, comics on my laptop, but I love reading comics on my iPad. And so, a week ago Thursday, they launched the Marvel Unlimited app, and I mean, I downloaded the free app. And, you know, looked at one of the free comics and said, yeah, you know, this is worth my time. So I go and I sign into my account, pay my $60 for the annual subscription, and then receive my confirmation and cannot log into my account. And that was Thursday. And so I immediately sent a note off to online support, which is the the email address that they give you. And it bounces back at me because the online support mailbox is full. (laughs) <laughs> and you wow. know so i start tweeting about it and uh i get a i yes. get a res- i get a response from uh the one of the web developers and he's like hey man i'm not working on the uh on on that app but i'll hook you up with the person who is and so i continue to tweet about it and i get the lead person who ran the app and she's like hey send me direct message me some of your information uh i'll forward your contact information on to, to marvel online support we'll get this fixed for you tomorrow and of course you thought this would make a great interview right <laughs> exactly exactly so uh, she i send that information over to her friday comes and goes i get no response from marvel online support and so I continue to tweet about it. And so on Saturday, she is, you know, still, you know, tweeting me and asking me to try this and try that, yada yada. Nothing happens on Saturday. On Sunday, I continue tweeting about it. <laughs> and, you know, she she assigns this other guy to work on it. And he's like, uh, yeah, can you send me your contact information? I'm like, hey, cheesehead, I've already sent my contact information once. I'm not sending it to five different people on the internet get it from uh, the other person I was working with because that's starting to piss me off because everybody I'm talking to, send me your contact information, send me your account info. I'm like, you know, it seems a, a little a little too frequent for me to send my, uh, my account info. So uh, Sunday comes and goes and finally they get it fixed on Monday. But, you know, the, you know, it was treating it like you couldn't sign into your account, like your password was bad. And when you would hit the, the uh, password reminder on the Marvel Unlimited app, it would send you your account name with your password blank. So it wouldn't send you the reminder. It wouldn't send you your password. It would just say, yep, you've got an account. <laughs> so it was very frustrating. And, you know, her comment back to me was, yeah, you know, launch day blues, you know, hashtag launch day blues. And while I was I was pleased that people were responding to me, it was very frustrating that I paid sixty bucks on Thursday, and it was four days later before I was able to actually access the account I paid for. But that said, I'm really enjoying Marvel Unlimited. Um, the uh, Marvel Unlimited app has about thirteen thousand comics in it that you can access right now. Um, I think that there are a lot of holes in anything that is ten years or older. You know, if it's there's a lot of completion in the 2000 range, but uh, if when you get prior to 2000, there's a lot of gaps. For instance, I was looking for a specific issue of the Hulk the other day, uh, Hulk number 169, and they had Hulk number 161, and they had had comics all the way up to Hulk 161, and then it started again at like Hulk 172. You know, Um, I will say that there's some problems on some of the scanning. 
I was reading one comic, I forget which one it was, but there are like three pages missing from the scan. Um, and one of the things that, that I think is it, – it makes it a um, poor second to comiXology is that the, the guided view or what they call smart panel is not nearly as good as comiXology's guided view. Uh, you know, it's really just just zooming in to like a section of the page versus being really smart about how it goes from panel to panel. You know, just like here's the right quadrant of the page, and now down to the bottom left, and here's by the bottom right. You know, it just it's not really intuitive uh, like the Comicsology uh, technology is. But you know, I gotta say, I love having all these comics available to me. I love being able to go back and you know look at the first issue of Howard the Duck, which is what I was one of the things I was reading last night. Uh, tons of good stuff. They're adding new stuff every day, so I know there's a lot of holes in there. In terms of like, I was looking for like the original 70s run of Shang-Chi, not a single issue, you know, and I imagine that's something they'll fill in at some point. But uh, I, I think it was worth the money. I think there's a lot of improvements to be made. And I, and I think Marvel's really working towards making those improvements. So I think that it just gets better. So I think what Aaron is saying is that he was enjoying all those number one issues that the rest of us assholes couldn't download. Exactly. Well, I, I will say that I haven't seen anything that's shown up in a Marvel Monday that isn't already in the Marvel Unlimited app. So, you know, if you if if you're you know spending somewhere between five and ten dollars a week in, in a Marvel Monday sale, you're going to make your money back quickly in the Marvel Unlimited app. See, so, I wish I would have known about the seven hundred thing beforehand because I would have gone out there and just because you don't have to download right then and there. When it no, comes but, to Comicsology, a lot of times I'll just go and just buy it and download it later. Yeah, but the uh, I, I did that. I got through about sixty titles um, before it, it zonked out on me. And, and I, the thing is, about twenty of them disappeared from my purchase list. Yeah, which doesn't usually happen. I think at some point they went through and reset um, all those pending downloads because I think that was part of the problem. So, so Aaron, I have to say, I mean, you've talked before about not wanting to have the multiple apps. Does that bother you at all that you now have a separate app to read the the older Marvel stuff? It doesn't bother me because, you know, you're leasing those. You don't own them. Uh, True. Uh, I, it didn't bother me one little bit. The only thing that bothers me is that the, the reading technology isn't nearly as good, you know. And I think they'll make improvements on that because, you know, they're, they're clearly invested in this space. And this is their, their first uh, uh, foray into the iOS side of things. I'm sure – I haven't really reviewed it much in the, on my laptop uh, I think the technology probably works the same there, but no, it, it's not bothering me that I have a separate app for it because I'm not storing it on my on my uh, iPad. You know, it's all. Do you know if they have an Android app? Um, yeah, there. I believe the Android app is coming. I don't think it, it's uh, out yet, but what I read was that the Android app was coming. I think you may have sold us. I'm very interested in this. Well, I got to tell you, I like it a lot. You know, the things that frustrate me about it are, you know, I, I want a deeper back catalog in, in like the 70s comics. You know, uh, that that's really where I think the gap is because, you know, I'll think about, ooh, you know, I really like Shang-Chi. I'd like to read some of his original stories. And there wasn't anything there. See, the 70s stuff I've been really wanting to read again lately is the 70s run of Fantastic Four. Oh, yeah. well, and that's, That is my favorite run of Fantastic Four is through the 70s. It's actually what, one of the things that I've been reading. I went back and I and I started looking at like the original appearance of Galactus in the 60s and then kind of tracking that forward. They have a nice little function that you can search by character. And so you can plug in Galactus. And so, yeah, certainly you're going to have all these issues of Fantastic Four that he appeared in. But you also have this, this wonderful run where he was in very early issues of Thor, you know, and I was like, oh, I've never read those. 
So I was over into those issues. It was great. It was great. So, you know, now that we've had our five minutes of digital comics conversation, my blood pressure's up. What else we got, Paul? Let's see if we can pop me like a zit. <laughs> I just saw what was next on the outline. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we actually have listener mail. Listener mail? Listener mail. With email or like an actual letter letter? Yeah, we got uh, a, a postmarked letter at, at Ideology of Madness Towers. Wow. <laughs> Written on parchment. Yes. Wow. And it had one of those. Uh, it was just. It had a stamp on it and very co- pretty calligraphy. Yeah, it, it was fancy. <laughs> pretty calligraphy. And, and you know, it was actually from a girl. A girl. A girl wrote this podcast. Oh, she was probably telling us to stop talking about comic books and do something productive with our lives. <laughs> uh, Mrs. Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I told her not to write. I, I really did. <laughs> no, the uh, the writer of this letter is Jen, and her question is, my sister has a comic book request, and since you guys know so much, I thought I'd send you an email. She wants to get her husband a rare comic book for their first year wedding anniversary, but she doesn't know where to start looking. He really likes Marvel and all the superheroes. She would like to keep it between the $100 to $200 range and wants to find a collectible one. What would you guys suggest? And I sent an email to her just asking some clarifying questions. And I asked, you know, you know, I see he likes the Marvel heroes, but does he have a favorite? And is it more important that the item be valuable in terms of an investment, or is, or is it more important that it be special? And so she responded with uh, – uh, where did she put the answers? Um, so his favorite heroes are between the original X-Men and Spider-Man, and I would lean more towards valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See that puts a that puts a kink in my answer. So give us your original answer, Paul. My original answer was, you know, go with an omnibus. There's a new Wolverine Adamantium collection coming out yeah. that looks fantastic. Um, or I was actually going to suggest the Thor Walt Simonson omnibus. I was going to recommend the same. In fact, when you know, because that that runs about a hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. The 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 Walt Simonson omnibus, but you know, I wouldn't pick it up for myself. But they also have the artist edition. Yes, which was a limited run, and you know both of them are out of print right now. You know anything you're picking up is is uh, what was left from the original run. Um, but I was also looking to see if if there was anything out there with you know a Walt Simonson omnibus that was autographed because you know Ooh. wouldn't that yeah. be awesome? You know um, I couldn't find any. I'm sure that you, you know, you'd have to track Walt down at a at a you know at a signing or at a comic show to, to get him to autograph it. But you know, that, that Thor omnibus that they did is just beautiful. But I also like your idea about the, the Wolverine adamantium collection. Yeah. I mean, since he's an X-Men fan, you know, I mean, there, there are X-Men on omnibuses. In fact, the entire quiz, uh, quiz, Claremont, no, Chris Claremont, <laughs> um, run is collected in a couple of different omnibuses, omnibi, whatever. Um, having a stroke. <laughs> and, uh, th- they're all pretty gorgeous too. And I, I would love those. I'm not, I know this isn't about me, but the guy's an X-Men fan. I think that would be a great gift. Sure. But maybe not collectible. But I think, unfortunately, when it comes to books that are truly collectible, the $100 to $200 range is not going to cut it. Yeah, you know. You know, and comics really aren't that collectible anymore. I mean, that's, yeah. This is, it was, this would have been a lot easier, like, in the 90s. So that's why when I first heard the question, I was thinking, what's appropriate for a wedding anniversary? So my recommendation was going to be Fantastic Four Annual Number 3. 
the marriage the, Sue and Reed. Yeah, yeah, because I thought that would be a nice, appropriate, you know, wedding anniversary gift. And it's not quite in that price range. It's you know, it's lower. So maybe throw in uh, X Men number number thirty after the relaunch yeah. for the wedding of uh, Cyclops and Jean Grey. Just get a couple of the wedding issues. Because that seems like it'd be a nice uh, anniversary gift. Well, that is a good idea. That's pretty sweet, Wayne. I like that. It don't do do not pick up the Spider-Man wedding issue, though. <laughs> well, and you you could throw in the uh, the wedding of uh, Superman because everyone's got that in like a quarter bin. So, you know, you can find that one real easy. I'm I'm kind of with Wayne. I don't. I have a hard time looking at comics as an investments anymore, just based on on the, what the market's done and. Or last decade, so I, I kind of like Wayne's idea a lot. I, you know, find themed issues that, even though they may not be valuable, speak to the the wedding anniversary. I think that uh, popular media, such as you know AMC's Comic Book Men, uh, kind of skews what people think about you know comics. They see they see them spending hundreds of dollars on uh, back issue books on that show, and they think that that's actually what comics are worth. You know, I go out and I look at eBay to see. One of the things that came to my mind when when they said, you know, he's an X-Men fan, I'm thinking, okay, well, what about X-Men 137, The Death of Jean Grey? And, you know, you can see a range of prices on eBay from 99 cents up to $75. And, you know, that's that's one of the, you know, quintessential collectible items uh, in the X-Men line. But, you know. It's the, the, the market's not there in a, you know, $100 to $200 range. Right. And that's not the fault. I mean, the idea. The idea is great. And Absolutely. It, it, it's really the price range that's tricky because you either go super collectible, which is way over the $200 price range, like the first appearance of Wolverine. Right. But then you get multiple books like Wayne's idea, which I think is a great idea. No, I think that's a really good idea. Yeah, I, I got to go with one. It's, it feels unnatural to say it. I got to fully support Wayne's idea. Well, what about, uh, you know, if you were thinking about, you know, he, he likes Spider-Man and – uh, you know, if you're trying to pick up a collectible Spider-Man book, what about the death of Gwen, Gwen Stacy's Amazing Spider-Man 121? It's not a bad idea. Because, you know, you can pick that up. You can pick up a copy of that under $200. Yeah, you can say, I want to celebrate our anniversary. Here's a comic about Peter Parker's first love getting killed. <laughs> well, exactly. here's, you know, from my point of view, if someone for a wedding anniversary got me, if, if someone said, hey, you could have this, or you could have the entire dance slot run in hardcover. Oh, yeah. I would absolutely go for the dance slot run. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. Because, I mean, again, I, I like the rest of the guys on the podcast, I don't look at comics as an investment anymore. Right. You know, like if I'm going to put a cover up on my wall, it's not going to be because it's popular. It's not going to be because it's worth a thousand bucks. It's going to be because it's a pretty cover or something. Or, or it's a good issue or you yeah. know, sentimental value. Yeah. I mean, there are comic fans like that. And maybe he is one of them. And, sure. you know, I mean, they, they, they are definitely – there's definitely a market for fans like that still. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at, at, coming from me, I, I, I'm more for bang for the buck. Ooh, this is going to take me three months to read versus this is a comic I, I'm really afraid to read. So I'm just going to – Keep it in its bag and board and read it digitally. Well, yeah, it's like you buy that Death of Gwen Stacy, and you really need to buy two of them. You know, you need to buy the digital version so he can read it. <laughs> <laughs> you need to buy him the actual print version so he can bag and board it. Oh my God! Speaking of which, so I have an update on something from last week. Same same general topic. Did y'all record last week? Yeah. <laughs> nice, Aaron. <laughs> oh, we can tell Aaron doesn't listen to the. <laughs> so. I had mentioned that my absolute Batman and Robin, Batman Reborn, yeah. was stolen. 
Speaking of $100 comic books, as it turns out, it was not stolen. It was delivered to the wrong address, and someone delivered it to me the next day. So it was the new mail guy. It was the new mail guy. But, you know, I'm still missing that copy of Spider-Man, the other trade paperback that was like a month ago. Yeah. But, um, you know, they can keep that one. As long as I, I got say, my I wouldn't say you're Robin. missing it exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, that's a $100 um, Absolute Edition. And, you know, I know Marvel doesn't do Absolute Editions. But, I mean, you know, if he likes Batman, oof, you can't really go wrong with any of those Absolute Batmans. Yeah. Great. Again, and those are both collectible. And uh, and bang for the buck. Well, and I will say, you know, the the absolute editions, the uh, the big hardcover omnibuses that that Marvel does, are collectors' editions because they do them in such limited runs. Like for instance, if you're one of the lucky bastards like Paul who picked up <laughs> the, uh, the uh, Iron Fist book, you know, the, the, oh, the, so good. It was a limited run, and it's worth like two hundred dollars now if you pick it up as, at, at a reseller. Hey, Aaron. Yeah. I'll make you a deal. Oh, here we go. 195 bucks. Hey, eat me. <laughs> eat me. Plus shipping. <laughs> eat me. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to have to change the subject. Okay. We're what still we gonna talk about now. Let, we're 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 going to move from the the happy times of buying comic books for uh, for anniversary gifts and move to the sad times of how do we cope in a world without Damian Wayne? Damian Fuck you, Wayne. Graham Morrison. <laughs> Damien Wayne's not dead. Uh, I believe that he is. No, that was. Uh, did you not hear the thing that Grant? That was just a clone that Talia switched with his actual body. She, she's kidnapped him back and put this this Damien Wayne clone body there to think make the Bat family think he's dead. You know, one. Did of, you not? Did you not read that interview? One of the phases of uh, grief is denial. I don't think. I don't think Grant Morrison's in denial. <laughs> I think you're grieving. I think and you're grieving. And you know, Eric, we all all the rest of us dealt with it by not buying Batgirl number eighteen, but I guess you deal with grief differently than the rest of us. Well, you know, I picked Batgirl number eighteen up for two reasons. I enjoyed Batgirl during the death of the family storyline and I was interested in seeing, you know, what her take was on uh on the death of Robin. So you'll see on the cover of Batgirl number 18 that there is the little Robin Requiem uh, logo on it. And you can see, you know, Batgirl crying on the cover. That is the most you get of Robin Requiem. She, I mean, literally, the, the reaction you see on the cover is not demonstrated in the book because she gets, you know, a, a notice while she is in her Batgirl van. Yeah. Um, She's in her Batgirl van and you know, hey, Robin's dead. And she's like, can't think about it right now. And that's it. Can't think about it right now. So, yeah, not very much of a follow up. So kind of a detective comics kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's just really not very much much going on there. I mean, you would be given to believe that, you know, she's in deep grief, you know, by the cover, but that nothing like that in the book. Yeah, I will say I flipped through the book in the store, and I if it would have been focused on it, I might have picked up the issue. Yeah. But as I was glancing through, it's like, I don't see anything Robin-related in here. Okay, back on the shelf. Yeah. yeah that sounds pretty weak. Yeah. How, but, but before we move on to the next <clears throat> Requiem book, was it any good? No. Oh, no. Okay. Won't be. Number nine. Well, keep in mind, 17 and 18 were fill-in issues. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 19, Gail Simone's back. Eh. Maybe they shouldn't fire their writer that everyone loves, fill in with two other people, and then hire her back. 
maybe they should just let her write the whole story. I, I don't know. seems like a good idea to me, DC. <laughs> I, I, I can't say I'm real wild about the uh, James Gordon Jr. storyline they've got going on, you know, and, and that's that's what the story is currently focused on. And I'm just not that interested. I enjoyed the Scott Snyder, James Gordon Jr. stories. I'm not enjoying this one. Hmm. But you know what I did enjoy? Speaking of Scott Snyder. What's that? Batman number 18, I thought was pretty damn good. Um, it sounds like I'm going to be alone in this sentiment, but, um, no, I, uh, I agree with you, Paul, and okay. I'm not a regular Batman reader, but I did think this was pretty damn good. Yeah. Batman number 18 features Batman. Basically it, it's not even so much how you're going to see more of how Batman deals with Damien's death in Batman and Robin In Batman. It's more from Harper Rose point of view. Harper was a new character created by Scott Snyder. She's popped up a couple of times in the series thus far, and she kind of takes center stage again. Um, you know, we meet her dad and, you know, get back into her family dynamic. And at this point, she has been kind of um, tracking Batman throughout the city, inspired by him. And she's noticed a change in his behavior. And uh, I, I, it features art by Andy Kubert. And um, I don't remember who did the, the second half of the book. Does anybody else? Uh, it was by Alex Maleev. By Alex Maleev. And so, I really I mean, enjoyed the Alex Maleev artwork on it. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I thought it was a dynamite book. I, I really thought it was good, too. It, I I, it, it the, had so many shades of the origin of Tim Drake in it. Yes, that I mean, is exactly what I was thinking the whole time I was reading it, Wayne. Yeah, it's like Batman is behaving the same way he did after the death of Jason Todd, and I like that. I like that consistent view of when Batman loses a Robin, he just kind of goes nuts and gets careless, and he's getting injured by people who shouldn't injure him and sometimes needs someone else to give him a reality check. And last time, Tim had noticed this difference with him, had had stepped in and tracked him. Now this time, it's Harper who's stepping in and tracking yeah. him. And, and so, and, and, I, I didn't know anything about this Harper character, but she's really interesting. I like her perspective of, I don't want to know who you are under the mask, versus Tim, who spent the time trying to figure it out. Yeah, I would pick yes. up Batman number 12, if you liked her character, because that was another Harper row issue. Um I just so like, I had I, I like okay. the Batman broker nose. I was yes. about to say I had some that issues awesome. with that. <laughs> that was that awesome. <laughs> like he's like if you're so, if you've been training so much, how did you block this? And she's like what? And you see her thrown through a fence, and I'm like oh okay, so he threw her through a fence. And then you find out later, no no, he actually broke her nose. And I'm yeah. like whoa, what? <laughs> I mean it's an asshole. No, it speaks to how distraught and exhausted he is. You know, just like he's getting tagged by people who shouldn't be tagging him, he's doing things. He, he's not in as much control of what he's doing physically. I'm sure he didn't. in the face is okay, though, if you're Batman. I'm sure, I'm, sure he didn't, I'm sure he didn't mean to break her face. He might have picked her up and thrown her through the fence, and her nose broke on the fence. You know, I mean, I, he does I, apologize. Yeah, he no. apologizes after he, he has a nice her. sleep. He apologizes. Well, she wants to be a hero. He's trying to dissuade her from this. He's it's giving tough her- love. It's the kind of thing you would see in, uh, in say, Kick-Ass. You know, you could see Big Daddy punching Hit Girl just to make sure she's ready. <laughs> I, I, I was just very surprised. I, I, I thought it was great. I mean, I, I, I did too. Yeah, I, I, I loved it, and I think it was fully appropriate for Batman yeah. to break her nose. I, I, yeah, uh, I think it was a, a completely one of those things to show how far out of it he is, and that, that's why yes. I loved it too. Yes. I love the ending. Uh, the, 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 you know, she, she puts in a word, you know, or she, uh, she basically convinces Bruce Wayne to flash a word using the lights in the building, and the, the first letter of the word is R. 
Right. Well, the word is resolve, but the first letter of it, resolve, is R. And just the way, you know, he's like, yeah, it means something to me. And, you know, do you just see the R on the building? And I thought that was a really touching last page. No, I agree. They, yeah, they I, did a really good job with that book. You know, I, 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 I flipped through this book and I got really mad. Why? I just felt like it was disrespectful. Oh. I mean, it, to them, you know, it's supposed to be a Requiem book and we're already setting up New Robin. I don't and think she's going to be the new Robin. I think that's what they're doing, and that makes me mad. That they, they, they the Requiem book is not really a Requiem book. Really, again. I gotta say, I think of her more as the next Oracle than as the next Robin. Mm-hmm. And I could, I could be the new spoiler. I would be, I would actually be happy with that. As much as I like Stephanie, this character's origin is fits the spoiler origin, and I I think she could take on that mantle with a better costume. I just look at as more as the person who's not trying to get him broken out of his cycle of grief. I, you know, I, I, I dug the book, and I also loved Batman and Robin. I oh, loved oh yeah. Batman and Robin number eighteen. It was and, a beautiful book. And Tim, you were looking for the, a real requiem book. What did you think about Batman and Robin eighteen? This is what I hoped all of the books would be like. Um, this was really good. Um, it, it, you know, it, what, what. What did Marvel do this, Paul? This is a few years ago. Marvel did this this stunt, right? Where oh, the Nuff said, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. The spider there was the uh, death of Marla Jameson did this, where they didn't oh, have yeah. any, any text through the whole book, right? Oh, yeah, I forgot about can that be too. really good sometimes. You just yeah. have to really knock it out of the park with a wordless book, because otherwise you're really just pissing people off. Like sure. the Nuff said initiative. Ninety percent of those books sucked. Yeah, but Patrick <laughs> Patrick Gleason is an amazing visual storyteller. Yeah, he is yeah. he is a guy who can tell this kind of story. I mean, you knew what was going on. Uh, the 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 colorist did an amazing job on uh, you know making the 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 panels very atmospheric. You know, really setting the environment. I mean, I I just think everybody was on. There is book. one panel in here that is just. One of the most powerful panels I've seen in a comic in a long time. And it's uh, Batman is driving the Batmobile. And you see him, he looks over, he sees this flash of uh, Damien, and then he sees that he's not there. And the panel I'm talking about is just a close up on Bruce, Bruce's mouth. Yeah, his chin. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like he's fighting to keep from crying. Yeah. And that expression, that. That hits. Yeah, I love how – I mean you see that on several pages where you can see what he's thinking or feeling or remembering. And there's that beautiful scene of uh, Batman and Robin swinging through Gotham. It's this beautiful full-page uh, uh, drawing, and it cuts to him looking over into the re- his reflection on a building, and it's just him alone. Yeah, yeah. And what I really yeah, that one got is that me. this fits with what we just read in Batman. Yeah, like a lot of times when they do these requiem type stories, every it doesn't really work because they could be you have the same character in three or four different places doing three or four different things. Right. We're seeing a consistent reaction that he's having to to the loss. I mean, you see all of the people that he captured. Yeah. Just you know, tied up and gathered around the uh, the bats. Well, and yeah. you, you, the the page that you called out, Wayne, where you know Batman's in the Batmobile and he's you know having having you know glimpses of robin sitting beside him and then he sees that empty seat and you can see the the stress on, on his mouth and chin and the next scene is he drives through a, a light post yeah just drives the batmobile just right through the light post and so you can see how much he's just coming apart you know yeah 
the family portrait scene is the one that got me. Yeah. Well, and he he you know he Bruce Wayne you know who who is very healthy emotionally covers it back up and walks it out of the room. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you know, you've got uh, what got me a little bit was Titus running up to the Batmobile expecting Damien to pop up. Yeah. I mean, honestly, oh. there were, but there were the entire book had scenes like that. Like yeah. Wayne mentioned, the scene where Batman's swinging through the city and he looks to the glass and Damien's not there and he's like surprised by that. Yeah. Just, you know, great, great book. The tightest scene that got me was the last tightest scene in the book where he's uh, got that sad look on his face next to Robin's glove. Mm-hmm. That That was the tightest scene that really hit me. I mean, really, I don't think you could have gotten a better Requiem book than Batman and Robin number 18. Yeah, and it's the one where it should have happened. Yeah. yeah. It, it was the, it was the it, book about their relationship. and It's uh, also the book where he should have died. <laughs> uh, we're not doing this again. Uh, <laughs> just saying. I, 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 thought yeah. it, I thought it was a story beautifully told. And I, I think that, uh, you know, it is rare that you get a book with so much emotion in it. Yeah, and I... Like I was saying before, with uh, the way that Batman went and then Batman and Robin, these two really complement each other, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I got to say, oh, I'm sorry, Andrew, go ahead. I'm sorry, I can't agree with you guys more. It's, it, it was a fantastic book, and I'm loving me some Patrick Gleason. Yeah. You know, Pete Tomasi, he wrote um, a Batman and the Outsiders uh, special after Bruce Wayne supposedly died after Infinite Crisis. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it featured Alfred and how Alfred. Uh, basically dealt with the death of bruce wayne and i gotta say this guy you know he, he grant morrison kills people and pete tomasi comes in and writes the requiem books that are all fantastic yeah so uh, every time garrett morrison kills someone pete tomasi needs to be there to pick up the pieces i think so speaking of beautifully told stories brian hitch is doing the art for age of ultron number two which came out this week you think this uh, is a beautifully told story i was gonna say beautiful art brian hitch okay Right. That was just the connection I was making. Whether I, because he, you know, I'm not Aaron ruined my transition. Sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry. sorry, Aaron. Aaron, Aaron, you talk about it. I'm done. Yeah, are you out? I'm out. You broke Aaron. Aaron, you broke Paul. I'm you sorry. Broke, I didn't mean to break Paul. You broke my heart. Well, Age of Ultron, book number two. Um, and this won't surprise anybody, <laughs> but I'm out. What? I oh, am shocked. Out. Shocker. I'm out. Huh. Uh, you know. Huh. Who had two in the pool? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. We're two issues in, and we haven't seen the bad guy yet. We know who the bad guy is. We haven't seen him yet. And uh, uh, I'm out. I am still 100% in. I love this miniseries. Really? I like this post-apocalyptic type story. And if you think back to the, the Age of Apocalypse, you didn't see a lot of actual apocalypse in most of those books. And this is kind of the same way. I mean, yeah, we haven't seen the big bad guy but what I'm enjoying seeing isn't that. It's seeing how are these former heroes existing in this world? You know, what are they doing? And any doubt that anyone may have had that this was just going to be completely undone with time travel is thrown out the window in this issue when we see what had happened with Black Widow. But Well, I, you know, one of the things that bugs, bugged me about this issue is that we see where Spider-Man woke up from, you know, he, he, he went to sleep. And everything was fine, woke up, and it's an Age of Ultron. And not once is he asking a question about any of his loved ones. Where's Aunt May? What happened to her? What about Mary Jane? What about, you know, Carly? You know, it's just, you know, the world sucks. 
you're having this moment with with Spider-Man, and he doesn't ask any of those questions. All he's uh, all he's saying is, "Man, am I glad I found you guys?" I, I just I I I think number one, I don't think the book is very well drawn. Uh, I, I've got I I am kind of hit and miss with Brian Hitch, and I think this is a miss. Um, I'm not enjoying the artwork at all, um, and I just I think the story is far too decompressed for a miniseries. See, I like the art with the exception of that last page where I can't tell if Captain America's just drawn badly or if his arm's supposed to be broken. Yeah, I think I, it's just drawn badly. <laughs> I'm sorry, you were going to say something, Paul? I was going to say the same shit happened in the first issue with Hawkeye's broken arm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the well, dude... Well, know that has Hawkeye to... has got some great docks. I mean, they'll get you fixed right up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Blood pressure rising... Now I do like that you know uh, uh, Black Widow and and uh, Hawkeye are hiding out in the uh, in one of Nick Fury's bunkers. I'm sorry, uh, Moon Knight and uh, Black Widow are hiding out in one of uh, Nick Fury's bunkers, and we see get to see his wall of you know who can you trust because this was a place that he last used during the uh, uh, during Secret Invasion, and one of the people is who can you trust? Lockjaw. <laughs> you know the, the the dog from the Inhumans. I I mean I don't dislike the series, but I'm not loving it. I don't I don't quite have quite the uh, the the distaste of it that Aaron does. I, I do think there are some definite issues with the Brian Hitch art. I, I the, the art looks so rushed. You know, it, it just doesn't look finished to me. It's interesting to me that we read the full gambit of I am loving the story as opposed to apocalyptic story. I. I could care less about Ultron. This is the story I want to see as the heroes dealing with, you know, living in a uh, apocalypse. Yeah, then you have uh, then you have Paul who's kind of middle of the road, and then Aaron who hates this. Yeah, I just absolutely hate it. Hey, yeah. Aaron, I will you, probably you still, Aaron, okay. you still excited for Infinity? Yeah, I, I am all in for Infinity because that because that Infin- one's Infin- that Infin- one's going to be great. That one's going to be the awesome one. <laughs> <laughs> I. No, I'm just, I'm just disappointed, and and as much lead time as they had for this, the artwork should seem finished. You know, it shouldn't. I when you're drawing Peter Parker, it shouldn't look like you know you just thumbnailed drew it. It should look like a finished drawing of Peter Parker. I'm sorry, these panels should be more dazzling than they are with as much lead time as they had. There should be no excuse for how poor the artwork is finished here. To a certain extent, the story should have happened a freaking year ago. Well, I'll be honest with you. Well, I mean, yeah, the, yeah. the way it's told to the characters. I mean, they show Bucky Cap on that wall. I mean, the, I mean, I just and the fact that they're referencing Secret Invasion, which at this point is what four, five years ago. Yeah, you know, it, it, this story really should have happened earlier. Yeah, it, it, it feels like a story that should have happened before AVX. And I get that it, it was supposed was to. Yeah. It was supposed to, but then at some point. You either delay AVX, get a different artist, or scrap this series I think you entirely. get a different artist. You stop using artists who can't deliver their fucking work. Brian – I mean, come on. <laughs> Look at Brian Hitch's history. You know, he's late on every damn thing he does, even his creator-owned work. You know, I, he, he couldn't deliver on Ultimates. He couldn't deliver on, uh, you know, what is it, uh, America's Got Superpowers. You know, Brian Hitch can't meet a deadline. He's a great cover artist. Let him draw your covers. Get somebody who can turn out a stinking book on time to draw your books. Well, Aaron, in all fairness, he's a lot faster than the art team of Image United. (laughs) Well, that that's true. (laughs) 
They've had what one issue? I think two <laughs> out of six. Like out of a year and a half, maybe. Uh, I think that was like two years. Yeah, th- that was a while back. I, honestly, two years ago. Right. Yeah, I would love to see a company, and DC has done this to a certain extent. They've said if you can't get a book out on time, you can't draw our monthly books, right? Because part of the new Fifty Two initiative was to get books out on time. Um, I, I think that it's key that if you're going to be a monthly series, your book really ought to come out monthly. Um, I think Marvel needs to take a hard line on that with their artists that say, you know, hey, you know, if you can't get it, get it in the can, we can't use you. Yeah, I completely agree. I can't for a, you know, like an original graphic novel or something like that being late. But for a monthly series, you shouldn't keep hiring the guys that can't produce per schedule. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying don't use them at all because some of them are very skilled and you can tell a great story with them. But you, you don't use them for a monthly annuals. series. You have them draw your annuals and your one-offs, and you don't promote them until you've got it in the can. You know? Hey, Aaron. Sir. Would you like Age of Ultron more if it was drawn by Chris Boccolo? Yeah. I know I would. I love Chris Boccolo. <laughs> Tim? <laughs> that, I think that Tim had an annual. That book can, uh, can go die. Hey, you know, I, he's drawn Uncanny X-Men, and I'm really digging that. Oh, hot damn. Uncanny X-Men number three, I thought was awesome. Nice uh, book. You what? I think it's a beautiful book. Oh yeah, I'm not just preserving, I'm not just referring to the art. I mean, I really enjoyed the writing and everything in Uncanny X Men number I did three. Too. I thought I thought it was a was a really a very nice book. And you know, it's funny, the talkiness of Age of Ultron written by Brian Michael Bendis annoys me because you don't you shouldn't you shouldn't have your miniseries padded with so much uh, dialogue. I think that there, there should be – certainly you want to have your character moments and you, and you want to understand how everybody's you know, feeling. But it's so decompressed that I feel like it's wasting a lot of my time and there's not enough going on. Whereas mm-hmm. I love the decompressed nature of Uncanny X-Men. And I love the conversations between the X-Men and the Avengers and the, the pointing of fingers. You know, like you know, the, the, the Avengers are all blaming Scott Summers because he killed Charles Xavier. And you know, the X-Men are like, well, hey – who are the guys that broke the Phoenix Force and had that force put into us involuntarily? That was Tony Stark. You know, yeah. I, I love the finger pointing that's going on. Well, and you know what's funny? You know, you're talking about decompressed storytelling, mm-hmm. and I felt like even though Uncanny X-Men, of course, is decompressed because it's Brian Michael Bendis, I don't feel like it was wasted. Like Age of Ultron, yeah, you have a, a two-page spread in Age of Ultron that shows a board. Yep, that was from a storyline from five years ago. Yep, and that—that's your two-page spread. You know, they could have just looked off-panel and said, "What is this? Oh, that's the thing from Secret Invasion." You know, whereas here, it doesn't really feel like there's a lot of waste. All the character beats are important and either important or interesting, at least. Well, and it's because they're—they're—they're they're, they're tapping into those character beats that you know are are, are present. You know, they're—it's now. Mm-hmm. It's Marvel now. You know, it, it, this is happening right now where Age of Ultron feels like it's a story that should have happened a couple of years ago. You know, I mean, I, I really do feel like the Uncanny X-Men benefits from the the story weight that rolled out of uh, AVX. Now, I know we didn't enjoy AVX, but it did set up some really interesting storylines that I think most of us are enjoying right now. And I got to tell you, this book was awesome. I love this book, and, you know, and I've enjoyed all three issues of Uncanny X Men so far. Just like I've enjoyed all of all new X Men, mm-hmm. you know. I, I love. I, and I think these these books work well together. Agreed. You know, I love how um, 
you know, there's a scene where, you know, so the Avengers confront the Uncanny X-Men in this book. And it's, it's I guess it's, is this supposed to be, yeah, I guess it's just the regular Avengers, because um, the Hulk is on it. But it cracks me up that <clears throat> some of the people are like, why is the Hulk wearing armor? That makes no sense. <laughs> you know, and right. then Hawkeye says, thanks for putting an X on your face. Yeah. Gives me a target to shoot at. No, I, I, I love it, and I, I particularly love the last page where you know they, they run back to the Jean Grey School for uh, Higher Learning, mm-hmm. and you know Scott stands out in the front yard, you know, throws his arms wide, and says, "To me, my X Men." I love it. I love the callback. Yeah, it's a dynamite book, and yeah, Chris Boccolo art is an acquired taste. I'm, 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 I will be the first to admit that he is not the easiest art to to swallow, but his art is. A lot more subdued. I feel I an uncanny still X-Men. really hate Cyclops' new face mask I love with it. that X on it. I, I love think it. it looks stupid. I think it looks awesome. But I gotta say, my favorite redesign, and it's not really much of a redesign. They just made her color her clothes black. Is Emma Frost? Yeah. And I think I just love her character. I love the way Brian Michael Bendis writes her. It just she's one of the most interesting characters in the book. Well, I do kind of like uh, magic in this series as well. Oh yeah, she's just crazy. Yeah, you know, she she. One of the uh, new mutants that's working with Scott Summers freezes the Avengers in time, and uh, she's like – she says, you know, we should be doing something with this. And he's like, like? And she goes, well, I can transport us up into Avengers Tower, and we can clog all the toilets and switch their underwear drawers. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know, for a second, he's like thinking about it, yeah. and he's like, we're going to take a field trip. I'm like, they're going to do it. Yeah. This but is no, they don't. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm I'm really digging this book. Well, speaking of books that you dug, Fearless Defenders number two came out this week, and all of us really dug the first issue. Surprisingly, so um, I think it was better than most of us anticipated, and a good number of us read it this week. So Tim hasn't spoken in a little while. Tim, what do you think of Fearless Defenders number two? Uh, you know, I. My my original concern was was Misty Knight, and she played a very minimal part in this book, so I loved it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I was very happy with this book. I was just unhappy that the Danny Moonstar action figure didn't actually come with the book. Isn't that a cool cover? That really is a very cool a, cover. Yeah. It's going in my list to, to consider. Yeah. The, <laughs> the the cover is looks like an action figure blister pack for Danny Moonstar, and it's just it's beautifully drawn. It has a sense of depth to it. That's that's amazing. Yeah, no, it's it's just fantastic, and you know, I want that Danny Moonstar action figure. Me too. <laughs> ooh, can so, we get? Ooh, we need we need a series of Fearless Defenders uh, uh, action figures, and and of course Misty Knight will be the one that doesn't sell, and everybody will get Valkyrie. And why uh, wouldn't Misty Danny- Knight be the one that sells? I love Misty Knight. She's so seventies, man. Come on. She's, She's kind of an acquired taste, isn't she, Paul? Every yeah, but I like her too. I mean, every time I, she talks, it's just cursing you. <laughs> well, because I read the Brew Baker Fraction uh, Iron Fist arc that she was just fantastic yeah, in. She was. She was. They just need to move her. I'm not. I don't have any problem with her art. I, they just need to move her her character personality out of her roots and into something more modern. And they might. They might in this book. Maybe. But, yeah, because uh, I'm not getting that vibe from this book. I mean, yes, she's oh, got Hold on. Okay, I get let me, it. Let me quote her. Hold on. <laughs> let me go back to this book. You guys talk for a minute. <laughs> so, so Tim, we're, I know that you, you kind of groove on uh, Danny Moonstar, that scene where she's sliding down the uh, handrail of the stairs. Yeah, pretty cool, pretty yeah. cool scene. That's a pretty nice scene. She's sliding down the rail, firing off uh, arrows. i just like, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I really, I really like the book. I, I was, what's the, what's the archaeologist, Anna? Yeah, Anna Annabelle. She, yeah. Yeah. I, I like how she just, you know, here, <laughs> she's caught up in this art and it, it's fun to kind of watch her react to things too. Um, and, I, I love me some Valkyrie, and I'm a sucker. So Yeah, I am too. Hit, hit, me, hit me with some more. Yeah. I like the Annabelle stuff because it brings the everyman point of view to the book. Yeah. Everyone's not superpowered. There's a normal person who's in the situation, and um, I think she's the reason I like the book as much as I do because I had no intention of buying this damn book. <laughs> <laughs> I had zero intention of buying Fearless Defenders because let's be honest. When was the last time there was a good Defenders book? Uh, the 70s. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I like the run with Beast and Gargoyle in the 80s. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Like well, still, 30 years. Yeah. 20, 30 it's years. been a long time. <laughs> uh, so, because it, 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 the Secret Defenders, not good. Matt Fraction's Defenders, not good. Eric Larson's Defenders, not good. Yeah. Um, but this has just been very good, and yeah. I've really enjoyed it, and it's been fun, and I like the characters, and it's, it is a almost an entirely female book, which is yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, no, did you find what you're looking for, Andrew? Well, if you just look at that front cover when she and uh, – which although I kind of like this, that her and Valkyrie are standing there doing the recap uh-huh. back to back. Just just read how she talks and, and tell me she's still not stereotype 70s. <laughs> uh, I don't know what you're talking about, Andrew. So now we're off to find out the hell do maiden is and why the song says it was all your damn fault. No, Andrew. So racist. Yeah, really. Wow. So much hate. <laughs> That's how they write her, man. I would yeah. like her not to be uh, stereotyped. I, I, I'd love for her to be uh, more, a little more modern day and less uh, out of her black exploitation roots. But well, uh, I'm, I'm really loving the storyline. We've already got a couple different, you know, like variations on it, where you know people are trying to fight off the doom maiden someone's trying to weasel their way into valkyrie dumb it's, it's it's pretty cool yeah well, so what, what what happens in in issue three if, if danny dies how are you going to feel tim um that would make me sad less enthused. Uh, <laughs> less <laughs> yes less <laughs> less less than enthused. she's not going to die in issue so it seems like <laughs> part of the gist of of this storyline or at least this arc is uh uh, Valkyrie having to put together some new, you know, uh, shield maidens for Odin, right? And what we find out is she's she's kind of been a slack ass. About yeah, but slack <laughs> Have we seen that she's already added to? I mean, and, and just nobody realizes yet. Is Misty Knight going to be a Valkyrie? Is Annabelle Riggs going to be a Valkyrie? I, I think so. that's where the story's headed. Yeah. yeah, I don't think they're there yet. And I think, I that's, think that's kind of awesome. I would love a Misty Knight Valkyrie. I'd love an Annabelle Riggs Valkyrie. Yeah, I, I think it's a great idea. You yeah. know, if the Fearless Defenders are basically Valkyries, Valkyries. Yeah. Um. Yeah. 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 yeah I'm on board. I'm yeah, down. Moonstone doesn't need to be initiated. Jerry has her uh, club pass. Yeah, they just need to reconnect with. Well, I. I so, you know, she's about how. Oh, go ahead, Tim. I was just going to say, she needs the new patch, and then she's good to go. <laughs> they talked about all the Valkyries disappearing. Is this the first time we've heard of that, or did that show up somewhere else that I didn't read it? I think that uh, was in the Matt Fraction Thor run. I don't know. Maybe. Could okay. be wrong. None of us read know. it, so it's <laughs> oh, Exactly, yeah. Um, I mean, here I've got free access to it in Marvel Unlimited. It is not in my library. <laughs> <laughs> so Good on you, Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I love? 
Um, uh, uh, pancakes. Uh, well, yeah, besides Locking pancakes. In the rain. Uh, puppy dog kisses. Day. <laughs> yes, yes. All of those things. <laughs> and not anywhere near as much as Steak and Blow Job Day. I love Connor Kent. <laughs> so when Superboy yeah, ended up being so interesting during Hell on Earth, I decided I'm going to pick up Superboy 18, written by Tom DeFalco. And I'm going to give it a shot, and I'm really going to enjoy this book because, man, I've been missing some Connor Kent as much as I've missed Dig and Blow Job Day. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, I got screwed. <laughs> <laughs> well, was it, was it because uh, Scott Lobdell wrote this? No, he didn't. Well, it says, well, plot was by Scott Lobdell. Oh, okay. Dialogue well, I mean, was by Tony Lee. Well, Scott Lobdell was involved in Hell on Earth, and I like Scott. I mean, Scott Lobdell is uneven, but I have enjoyed Terrible. his Superman stuff. <laughs> I enjoyed Hell on Earth, and I've enjoyed some of Superboy, but God dang, this issue was terrible. Yeah, I I couldn't figure out what the point of this issue was. You know, I mean, you've got the you got the little midget Lex Luthor guy, you know, little <laughs> psycho guy, but you know, he's bald, so he's midget Lex Luthor. And then he meets Lex Luthor uh, in Superboy's head, and then you've got and that whole story is extremely short, right? Yeah. And you get the backup feature with Crypto, which is again just a couple of pages. Um, I, I I was underwhelmed by this story. I don't know if it means that I'm off for the next issue, but I was I was underwhelmed by the story. I may wait till the new creative team takes over because justin jordan i think picks up with issue 20 or 21 um and that i may wait till then because wow this issue i thought was terrible i really you know i get i mean i guess dr psycho is a character from previous uh dc universe before the new 52 i'm not familiar with him uh, but man i just the book the way this book read it was just confusing it was it disjointed yeah. dr psycho was a big character from previous he was even uh tied in pretty heavily with crisis like the original was he a midget? Um, I think he was, but he had masks on. You're talking about Psycho Pirate. Oh, Doctor Psycho is a. Uh, you're right. Doctor Psycho is a Wonder Woman villain. Yeah. Oh, okay. Got my characters mixed up there. Yeah. Yeah. Regardless. Yeah. The difference being Psycho Pirate's kind of cool. This guy's kind of lying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Either way, this book was coming off of a very good run with Hell on Earth, where we were interested in Superboy for the first time since the New Fifty Two. And this is the issue they followed up with where all of us basically came away with the same opinion of yeah. this just isn't good. Yeah, no, they really should have, have had a an issue kind of grounding Superboy mm-hmm. so, that you, so you could you know figure out who the character is apart from the Superman family. And they just didn't do this. I mean, Superboy, in, in, in a lot of respects, isn't in this book. You know, because it, yeah. it's not about him. Uh, uh, Dr. Psycho is your point of view character in this book. You know, uh, yeah. Superboy's just window dressing. And then the the backup feature with Crypto is interesting only in that Crypto shows up. Yeah, I don't even <laughs> call that a backup feature with Crypto because he's in one panel. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the backup feature feels more like that Channel 52 nonsense they're doing at the end of all the DC books now. Yeah, it's I mean, more like it's an like, epilogue than anything else. Or, or a, 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 a preview of Hey, Go Buy This New Book with Crypto in it. <laughs> Is what it felt like because they didn't really give you anything to go on. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I think this book was a big miss, and that's disappointing because I wanted it to be good. Yeah, and again, I'm going to give it another shot when just I think Justin Jordan is the uh, writer who's coming on. Yeah. 
Um, so I, I will pick it up when the new creative team starts, but I just, and the, you know what the sad thing is, despite how much I hated this book, the freaking last page is like, huh, maybe I do want to find out what Lex Luthor's about to say. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't have me at all. I'm, uh, I will try it again after they do another big crossover and these issues are good. And I'm like, why am I not trying this book? And then I'll get the next issue and it'll be bad. And I'll remember why I'm not trying it. Well, I continue to enjoy Star Wars for two reasons, you know. Uh, One being that it's free. Well, yeah, exactly. You know, uh, <laughs> Paul, you know, I, 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 you know, Paul gave me the first issue free, and I'm requiring that he give me all subsequent issues free. <laughs> Did you really refer to him as your sugar daddy? Uh, he really is. He really yeah. is. And, and I, I fear what I'm going to have to uh, get, <laughs> up, you know, uh, in, in St. Louis this year. So, you know. Fear the cons coming. Yeah, it's Paul. Um, so Paul Con. The Star Wars classic book, uh, written by Brian Wood with art by Carlos Deanda, is just when covers by Alex Ross, we should say, uh, is just a gorgeous book. Just a gorgeous book, wouldn't you say, Paul? I, I, I from cover to cover. Yeah, really. I mean, because the Alex, it starts with the Alex Ross covers. Yeah, and and then the Carlos Deanda art is just it's. It, it, we talked a little bit about this with the first issue. It's fantastic because it's not trying to be photorealistic. Right. It's comic book art, and you still recognize the characters. Right. And I think that's great. So, you know, the the book we, – we first see Luke Skywalker in the book when he is flying up to a, a woman in his X-Wing who is just floating out in space for some reason. Hey, baby. And, uh, you know – they don't identify who she is, but there is, you know, clearly a lot of affection between her and Luke. And you know, those X wings, there's not a whole lot of room in those things. You know, if if you recall, uh, 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 Porkins is pretty well stuffed in <laughs> to, to his <laughs> right. So you know, there, there, there's enough room for pork, just enough room for Porkins, and there's really just enough room for two regular sized people. So, uh, you know, Luke flies up, tethers this this woman, you know, and you're not real sure who she is. Is she Leia? Right. I mean, Paul, did you have that moment? Like they're, they're kind of cuddling up on each other a lot. Is that Leia? Yeah, I did. I was like, ooh. So ooh. I'm like, OK, so they're supposed to fly directly back. And uh, uh, does, does he run out of gas? Well, she the, the woman says to him, uh, uh, what did she say? She she. She says, uh, stand by for the jump to, to let your, hey, R2, Luke says, uh, run the randomizer. Give me seven plots with a nine-system radius. Let's go home the long way. Huh. I'm like, huh, you know, this whole brother-sister dynamic is getting a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> and you find out it's not actually late. But, I mean, there are, there are two pages there where you're like, he is making out pretty hard with his sister. And then you, you get back, and it's not Leia. It's this other uh, pilot. And uh, Leia's pissed off. She doesn't, yeah. like, she doesn't like what's going on here. Well, and I love it because Leia pulls Luke aside, and she's like, you're irresponsible, blah, blah, blah. And Luke is like, look, bitch, I took on the Death Star for you. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> very much bitch. <laughs> I mean, seriously, like how do you come back from that? Like, yeah, yeah, you did. Well, she does come back. She's like – you didn't do shit. She's like, you were with a team of people. We all took on the Death Star. But I mean, yeah, you know, what she's saying is that you know you're not all that, Luke Skywalker. Yeah, you know, you're just the one that actually took the shot to blow it up. You know, 
It's like telling Jordan he wasn't the, you know, the the the, the leader of the Bulls, you know. It's like <laughs> the Bulls won all those games with you. You're not the reason they won. Andrew, you just lost Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> what I did I didn't make a Bruce Willis reference. Uh, a reference. Like, <laughs> I don't know what I did wrong. But uh no, it just cracks me up because he's such a little ass. Yes. About it. And you know, that's not I mean, Luke, this is not the Luke we've seen in any of the movies. The cocky you know, the, yeah. the ultra cocky, you know, confident Luke. And this story is taking place between the Battle of Yavin and uh, the oh. opening of Empire Strikes Back. You know, so it's the space between those two movies. So you, you've got a Luke Skywalker who's riding high from his success at the Death Star, but not the more grounded Luke Skywalker that we see in Empire Strikes Back, the more serious Luke Skywalker. Yoda hasn't trained him up yet. That's right. Well, and he hasn't uh, been stuffed inside a uh, Tauntaun. So, you know, and that, I got to tell you, that'll rattle you. Yeah. <laughs> you'll, well, you'll, you'll reassess your situation once you've been stuffed inside a Tauntaun. So... Just say, but is that I, a I, euphemism of some sort? It is. It is. <laughs> How can it not be? Yeah. It's a euphemism for being stuffed inside a tauntaun. <laughs> <laughs> um, say Boy Scout camp. That's all. I <laughs> yeah, Andrew, you leave Paul's mom out of this. Oh. <laughs> so is that the first one this year? No, but no, uh, the first since January. But, yeah. <laughs> But it's certainly the crappiest. <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> so I gotta say, I, I'm digging the, the this uh, Star Wars comic, and as long as Paul continues to give it to me, <laughs> all in. <laughs> yeah, I, I I am enjoying it. I enjoyed issue three much more than issue two. I, I still stand by my my feelings about it from issue one, which is that this is Star Wars by way of modern Battlestar Galactica. Uh huh. Just the way the characters interact and the seriousness and all that stuff. Well, yeah, the conflict between the protagonists. Yeah, because basically you've made all the Star Wars characters unlikable. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, which is basically what Battlestar Galactica was. Yeah. Everyone's unlikable, but they're human, you know? And everyone's got their own agenda. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, I like that, you know, we see Darth Vader in those – in at least those first two movies where he is supremely in control, right? And so in the space between Battle of Yavin and Hoth, you've got Darth Vader taking a demotion because he fucked up at the Death Star. And, you know, he, he is no longer the, the uh, you know, number one child of uh, Palpatine. You know, he is, he is getting punked daily, you know, by Palpatine. And I just love it. I love that, that they have set this dynamic up with this other character. Well, you know, maybe he's the new the new uh you know shining star in the imperial universe you know i love it i'm really looking forward to paul mailing me his hard copy so that i can really enjoy uh this book for free (laughs) thanks paul hey no problem i would just have him buy it for you now (laughs) come on sugar daddy Daddy likes what he sees. You know, I'm sitting there on new comic book, and I'm, and I'm seeing that you know Star Wars number three, and I'm like, come on, Paul, send me that code. Are you gonna- <laughs> so I sent him. You gotta send me that code. <laughs> I saw that. You, twi- you tweeted at him. Good uh, times. <laughs> yeah, but he didn't send it until Thursday. I had to wait a full day. <laughs> <laughs> Making sure you remember who's who's the boss. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's got customer service almost like. <laughs> so, Paul, what free codes are you sending Aaron next week? 
Well, none next week. Um, but Aaron's <laughs> on his own week. for a week. <laughs> so next week we have uh, Artifacts number 26, the conclusion of the Progeny storyline. Is that We've right? Got, the conclusion? Yeah, four parts. Oh, right, because they went uh, Artifacts, Witchblade, Darkness, which I forgot to read this week, and then and then Artifacts. artifacts. Mm-hmm. Okay, I need to get that Darkness from this week. Um, we've also got Constantine number one. Oh, uh, I'm in. I'm in. Who, who's getting that besides I am. me? Me, me, ooh, me. Okay. Oh, you'll send me that code, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's a two ninety nine book. DC comic. No, that means no. Uh, Five Ghosts, The Haunting of Fabian Gray from Image Comics. I'm intrigued by this book. Yeah, I'll pick that one up. You guys remember uh, this one? It's the one that where he channels like uh, 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 Sherlock Holmes, uh, Robin Hood, and all these kind of ghosts. He has access to their abilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds really interesting to me. I'm definitely going to read that one. Um, we've also got Justice League of America number two and Justice League of America's Vibe number two. <laughs> hey, what about Vibe? You still getting Vibe, Aaron? That's why I'm asking Paul. Paul, are we still doing vibe? We're doing vibe number two, and we'll see if we're doing vibe number three. Okay. <laughs> you guys are talking uh, about. Never mind. Go on. <laughs> yeah, Aaron uh, won't buy his own vibe. He's waiting for Paul. <laughs> it's, a, it's a thing. You can't do it by yourself. You really have to. You have yeah. to have a buddy. We're gonna go shopping for vibe together. <laughs> it's like when you deep sea diving. You gotta have a buddy. <laughs> and, and other things. That's right. We've got Nightwing number 18, which is a Requiem book, uh, and I'm really interested in that one. You know, I really uh, hope with uh, the way that, that you know, they had that really touching moment at the end of Ink with uh, uh, Dick and Damien. I, I really hope they do a nice Requiem book. I'm, I'm not usually a Nightwing guy, but I think I'm going to pick it up. Yeah, I'm interested. Uh, Nova number two comes out. Um, Supergirl number 18, which is the first hell on, post-Hell on Earth issue. Um, and a bunch of other stuff. I mean, it's a big week. Daredevil, Avengers, All-New X-Men, New Avengers, Red Hood and the Outlaws, Justice League, Incredible, Indestructible Hulk, all new issues next week. Very good. So uh, lots to spend your money on. Very exciting. And if you are a Batman fan, Batman the uh, City of Owls, the second hardcover, comes out next week. The it's the one with all the, it's the, one with all the tie-ins, or is that the main? No, that one came out already. Night of the Owls came out already. This is the one that's the main story in Batman. Okay. So, yeah, spend your money next week. Woo! And then come back and listen to us talk about the comics. Or spend Paul's money, which is kind of my (laughs) move. (laughs) (sighs) All right, well, have a good week, guys. All right, take care, everybody. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. 